Glad to see y'all. Glad y'all are joining us online. Thank you for being with us. I know it's difficult to be online and to stay engaged, um, but the Lord is with you. Uh, and so I am glad to, to be here. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor, and I'm excited about what we're going to see today. Uh, last week, uh, something happened when I got home from church. Uh, my wife, Lainey, she was giving me a hard time. She was like, hey, yeah, your message last week was that Jesus is king before and during elections. So I guess he's not king after elections, right? <laughs> and I was like, actually, wait, wait, no, 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 that's, that's actually next week's sermon title. So that's what we got today. Today is that Jesus is king both during, since it's not quite after, right? The election's not quite over. It kind of is, but kind of isn't. Kind of who the heck knows. Um, so today, it's that Jesus is king during and after elections. And so first, I want to say something to the kids. Kids, shout out to you here uh, in the warehouse, also at home online. Oftentimes, I ask you a question to sort of get you to think a little bit. Uh, but today, I actually want to ask you to do something. Um, kids, would you please pray for your parents today? Today, I want to ask you to pray for your parents. Um, would you please pray for them? And just pray this way. Jesus, help my parents to love people that they disagree with. Could you pray that to Jesus on behalf of your parents? Um, I think that would be really, really good for them. So we had this election, right? It happened. It's happening. And guess what? Jesus is still on the throne. Good news, right? Good news. Jesus is still on the throne. Now, how do we know this? It's because 2,000 years ago, Jesus passed through death and came out the other side. Sometimes we need to remember this, um, that Jesus' resurrection was God vindicating him. God was saying to the world and to him, Jesus, you're right and Jesus, I'm going to put you in a place where you are in charge. And I want everyone who has breath, I want every life to come underneath your authority and to live under your reign. And so Jesus is right and he is on the throne and the election doesn't change this. And so what this means is that the election doesn't change what is fundamentally most important about you if you are a follower of Jesus. So if you're a Christian today, then this means that nothing has changed. Jesus is still in charge. Uh, he is on the throne. So in our church, because we are wonderfully, I believe this with all my heart, I believe that we are wonderfully diverse we have people on that are rooting for both sides of the aisle in this latest election. And so some of you are happy with the election results. Some of you are not happy with the election results. And today I have a message for both of you. In some ways the message of this is the same. In other ways the message is different. The, the sameness of the message is that it's the same as last week's message. That no matter how you feel about the election... Jesus is still king, but I want to give you both a message if you're happy with the results or if you're not. Uh, but first, I actually want to introduce someone to you. I'm going to have Christina Picardi come up. I want to ask her some questions because she had an experience um, last week that I feel like does a really good job of helping us 
understand the message that Jesus would have for us. So, hi, Christina. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you. There we go. Um, so I've got three questions for Christina. Um, Christina, first, what was discouraging for you uh, going into last Sunday? Um, so for, for many of you who may not know, I, um, I sustained a traumatic brain injury in May of 2019. And uh, it was serious enough that it took me out of work for six months uh, or more. I wasn't actually ready to go back to work when I did. Um, but it's been an ongoing healing process. It's been extremely just, just sobering to, you know, I, I just felt like I was alone a lot because when you have a traumatic brain injury, you're not able to participate in social gatherings. Um, lights bother me, noise bothers me, um, too many people. <laughs> and um, it's... It's really hard with stimulation issues, reading, looking at screens. Um, it's something that I had never would have imagined people went through. Um, and it's actually the number one cause of suicide. Um, and coupled this with another chronic illness, it's just been really challenging. And then I also own a property in Northern California that's a rental. And I have a tenant who hasn't paid rent since March of this year. And um, Financially, it's been extremely difficult, and I've just been trying to not to lose the house. I haven't been able to find a roommate for a long time. It just, it just goes on, and um, I just got to a point where, um, I don't know, I just I felt like I was, I was kind of at my wit's end. And then three weeks ago, I lost my job um, after nine years of having a successful job in the corporate world, something I love to do, my dream job. And, you know, at one point I thought that was my, I don't want to say it was my identity, because I know my identity is in Christ, but it was something that was really who I was, who I considered my life to be, and I had no intention of ever leaving that job. Mm. So, um, that's kind of where I was last Sunday. Man, unbelievable. Um. And what, what happened last Sunday? Um, so thanks to the time change, I woke up earlier than normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had more time to, you know, I had some time to spend in quiet time before church. And, you know, I, I try to do this obviously daily, but sometimes it's not as good as other days. And, and I started to pray. And I started to pray for everyone around me, those who are suffering, those who feel alone, those who've experienced loss recently. You know, I know we're all dealing with stuff, especially during this time during COVID. And, um, and I just, it was just one of those moments where I just felt so strongly that this is, you know, I, I really wanted to just lift everyone up and encourage people. And as I was closing my prayer, or trying to at least, um, God did something funny. <laughs> he, uh, he intervened in this, in this most magnificent moment and he, he wouldn't let me stop praying and worshiping him. And it was, it was this sense of extreme awe mm. and comfort mm. 
and something that I'd only experienced once in my life, I think, when I first came to Christ. And it was so overpowering. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was. Take your time. Take I know. Your time. <laughs> it was this moment where, um, you know, I mentioned how, like, having a traumatic brain injury, you know, sometimes you you want to give up, and and you long to just be with the Lord, and then having this moment, I. I got this like small sense of what it will be like when we go to him mm. and it was a moment I'll never forget and he just, he wouldn't let me go and he reminded me that, that I'm not alone and that none of us are alone and he's walking with us through our struggles, and it's, it's so beautiful, and, and I told Pastor Stephen last, last week I came, and I was, I was emotional the entire day, <laughs> and I couldn't help but share with people, because, I mean, this is, this was God, I mean, this was nothing but God, and he just, he opened my heart, and he let me know that everything that I'm going through is going to work out. And um, I'm just so incredibly grateful of not only that experience, but, you know, of everyone in my life, the support from the church, from friends, from people. Uh, you know, this is something that I couldn't do by myself. And it was a great reminder that we all have someone. We all have that strength from him. Man. So good. So good. Um, so given what you experienced last week, Christina, like, what would you say to someone whose present or future feels uncertain? You know, don't give up faith. Don't give up hope. Um, there, God has a plan for you, and, and it's all in his timing. As much as we try to control things, and that's something I'm very culpable of, um, <laughs> trying to control my renter and my job and all these things, but I don't, we don't have control and he does. And I think if we can step back and let him work through us, I think we're, we're going to be okay. And um, my whole quiet time started because I was reading uh, Psalm 28. And if it's okay, I just Please. would like to read yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 11 through 14. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage wait for the Lord, and that's what we're doing. We're waiting for him, and, and you know, that, that small sense of what I witnessed and experienced, if that's anything like what his glory is, I mean, how amazing is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Christina, for sharing with us. Um, I hope this encourages y'all. 
Um, yeah, let's let's give Christina a, a hand. Thank you. Do I even need to say anything else? <laughs> I mean, he is, he's with you if you're trusting him in the same way that he's with Christina. Um, he is on the throne and he is in charge. And so I want to bring this in to, uh, again, back to the election. Again, some of you are happy with the election results. Some of you are not happy with the election results. And so I want to, I want to address, first of all, those of you who are happy with the way that the election ended up or, you know, or if you're happy with the way that the election ends up, um, I want to direct you to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7, really through 11. Uh, They're in your bulletin if you want to look there. But in, in this place, God says to his people, he says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Okay, so God is about to give you everything that he promised. Okay, good things are coming, so he's going to bring you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of the hills and the valleys, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. So, I mean, everything you could hope for, everything your heart could desire, you're about to get it. God's giving you what you want right? It's a land whose stones are iron and out of whose whose hills you can dig copper. Verse 10, and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And then verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. So when things are going well, the thing that we are most susceptible to of doing is forgetting the good giver, is forgetting the God who has given us goodness. And so we can forget God by living like we don't need him. We can forget God by thinking that we can achieve our best life without him. And so I want to encourage you, if you are happy with the way the election results uh, with, way, with the way the election results, then I want you to not forget God. I want you to not forget God. Now, how do we do that? How do we not forget God? Well, I think just in two ways, two ways really simply. First, remember that he is the source of all good. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so don't forget God, but instead remember him and thank him for his goodness. And then the second thing, um, don't just remember that he's a source of good, but worship him for his goodness. Ephesians 1.3 says this, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so the call here is to bless God. And we do that. We bless God by worshiping him. So you worship God. You devote yourself to him. This means that you obey him. 
This means you live as though he's the most important thing about you. you. This means that you devote yourself to who he is and what he's like. You want to follow and, and you want to think the way he thinks and, and love people the way that he loves people. But you want to devote yourself to him. And so don't forget God, but worship him. And I really like this because this, this call to worship God will also help you to remember that neither choice in the election was perfect, right? God gives perfect gifts, right? So this helps us to realize that even if we got what we wanted out of this election, that still our worship is God because Jesus is our king. And so don't forget God, but to worship him. And, and speaking of this, speaking of this, um, Evan Wickham, I know uh, many of you know him, he's the pastor of Park Hill Church, um, over in Liberty Station, he posted something really helpful this week. This was a three-step election humility guide. And I love this. Um, he says, if your side, in quotes, if your side happens to win, three things. First, list two to three dangers of your side winning. Okay, second, if you can't literally write down two dangers, repent. Repent. He said, if you can't actually write down at least two dangers of your side winning, you are probably more shaped by American heat than Christian light. And so he's like, repent before moving to step three. And then he says, step three, this one's kind of long, bring your list to your spiritual community and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and creativity to fight against the problems of your side with compassion and conviction. So if you like the way the elections turned out, if your side won, I think this really will help you um, because we've said this for weeks, right? That how you treat people after the election is infinitely more important than how you voted. So thanks, Evan. Appreciate your wisdom on this. So if the election ends up the way you want, don't forget God, but worship him instead. Now, if the election doesn't end up the way that you want it to, uh, the temptation is to despair. The temptation is that this is suffering, like there's fear involved. And, um, and so I want to direct you to some passages. First, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, verse 1. Again, this is in your bulletin. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So now, I'm not comparing King Uzziah to our current president. Um, I'm also not saying that our current president is going to die. Um, but when Uzziah died, when King Uzziah died, this is, you know, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, um, Isaiah didn't despair because Isaiah saw that God was still in charge, right? Uzziah actually was a really good king, did amazing things. When he died, Isaiah realized that our hope is not in kings or princes, but our hope is in God. And so this is a good word to you. If the election doesn't end up the way that you want it to, Jesus is still on the throne. He's been reigning there since the resurrection, and that hasn't changed. 
So 2 Kings chapter 6 um, is another example. It's a really cool story in the Old Testament. I'm going to have you read it on your own because we just don't have too much time to read all these passages. But it's a place where, again, there are... It's possible to see only with your eyes what's flesh and blood and to miss the fact that God is in control and that God will care for you and he will protect you no matter what happens. So 2 Kings 6, you can read that today uh, on your own. Then there's another passage that I want you to to look at in Acts chapter 7. This is in the New Testament. There's a guy named Stephen. He was a leader in the church. He also saw what what, what, what Isaiah saw. Stephen was preaching to Jesus to a crowd, and the crowd didn't like what they were telling him. They didn't like the message, and so they were enraged and murderous. And in Acts 7, verse 54, it says this, Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Really interesting image there. But he, this is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so as Stephen faced their ter- the turmoil and the overwhelming chaos of their attacking him. They're moving on him. They're coming to him with all kinds of ill motives. Um, and as they're coming, Stephen, with faith, looked into heaven and he could see that Jesus was on the throne. And so not just the God of the Old Testament, but Jesus in the New Testament. Stephen could see that Jesus was king, and that gave him the strength to face anything that this riotous crowd could do to him. Verse 57, it says, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at them. So Stephen is talking about seeing Jesus on the throne in heaven. Stephen is explaining them this vision, and they're like, la, 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 we can't hear you. We're going to, you know, I mean, this is what's happening here. They're coming at him, plugging their ears, making loud noises. Verse 38, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And so this crowd murdered him. They stoned him to death with bricks. And as they were stoning him, I want you to see what his confidence in Jesus gave him the ability to do. Verse 59 says, As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So verse 59, he has confidence for himself in his relationship with Jesus. Right? He knows he's good. He knows Jesus is on his side. He knows he's following Jesus and he has comfort and peace in the face of of death. Like all the stuff that we worry about, all of it, 
It's not as bad as a crowd rushing at you to murder you by throwing large rocks at you until you're dead. But he's got confidence in Jesus. He knows he's okay. He knows he's going to be okay. And then, verse 60 says he has grace for his murderers. He's got grace for those who were in opposition. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And this is the disposition of someone who has been gripped by the grace of Jesus. When you realize how much Jesus has forgiven you, when you realize that your life was not lined up with his, when you realize all of the times that you have ignored Jesus, all the times that you have wanted him not to be on the throne in your life because you wanted to do things your way, when you think about the damage that you've done to yourself, to other people in relationships, the ways that you've hurt others, the ways you've turned your back on him, and then Jesus welcomes you back. It's like Jesus knows that if you really just knew, you never would have done any of that stuff. When you are gripped by that kind of grace, you have grace even for your murderers. Man, doesn't this stretch your heart to respond differently to people who disagree with you? If you don't like the way the election turned out, doesn't this grip your heart and maybe cause you to be more gracious with people that are excited about the election results? If you like the way the election turned out or will turn out, I mean, doesn't this grip your heart and give you some compassion for people that just see things differently than you? Grace means you treat others with understanding, kindness, gentleness. You can allow other people to do their thing, knowing that Jesus is with you and Jesus will care for you. The church has been through so much over the last 2,000 years, it has been through so much. Jesus will always defend his people. The church will, I mean, and, and the reality is that the more that we suffer, the more pure we become. The more we suffer, the stronger we get. And so the last verse I want to share with you, this is one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Uh, it's in the book of Hebrews, and it's addressing people who were so committed to Jesus that Jesus transformed them to do things that were unimaginable and heroic. Hebrews 10.34 says this, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Holy cow, <laughs> this, is, this passage stretches me in such a big way. Like the reality of this is so important. I mean, these people were having their property plundered. 
Right? I imagine that these people, I imagine Christians were, they were in their homes and Roman soldiers were coming in and carrying off their stuff. That maybe even non-Christian Jews were breaking into their homes and stealing their belongings because they knew they could get away, get away with it. Because the Christians had no one to appeal to. The Christians were this tiny little sect that nobody would defend. And while their stuff was being, I mean, they were being radically violated. They were being denigrated as people, right? Treated as less than. I get your stuff. You don't deserve it. I'm going to take it. And how did they react to this? They accepted it with joy. They joyfully accepted this. They were being plundered, and while they were being plundered, they were full of joy. How? Why? Well, it's because this awful violation of them and their persons and their families, they were running it through the grid of the gospel. These were people who were centered on the gospel. The work of Jesus was the most important thing in the world to them. And so they responded to people who were taking their worldly goods and they were full of joy because they had an inheritance from Jesus that could never be taken away. That's what the verse says. You see that? It says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, they took your stuff and you had joy because you knew that you had better stuff that could never be taken away. Man, this calls us to have faith, doesn't it? I mean, losing their stuff reminded them that they had better and they had lasting. It gave them the experience that their stuff was fleeting right? Part of our problem is that our stuff is so protected. We never lose it. Well, we lose things all the time, right? We have so much stuff that we lose stuff, right? But the act of losing your things, the act of having your things being taken away from you gave them the experience. It, It gave them the opportunity to say, huh, I'm losing my stuff. I can't do anything about it. You know what? There's something I have that they can never take away. This last week, like I've thought about this verse over and over and over again. There's times it stretches me and then I forget and then I go back to my old ways and then I read this verse again and it stretches me again. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is my life too. I have this inheritance that's even better and it's abiding and it can't be taken away and it's the greatest thing and oh my goodness, why do I even care about anything in my life, right? And then I try to like give away everything that I have and like, and right? And then I forget and then, you know, we do these cycles, right? Well, so this week I thought about it in a way that I never have before. So whether you like him or you don't, the chances are really good that under, if President-elect Biden becomes the president and all that stuff works out, the chances are pretty good that our taxes are going to go up. Now, whether it's our individual taxes, who knows? I mean, there's all kinds of things that he said about, oh, 400,000 or more, but corporate taxes are going to go up. That means the cost of living is going to go up. It kind of, it all affects, right? So taxes are going to go up. That's generally kind of what happens with Democrats. And um, so whether you like that or not, the reality is your taxes are going to go up. So here's what I thought. I thought, huh, wait, hold on. Wait, this verse. What if the government takes more money from you in taxes 
and squanders it? What if they do awful things with it? What if they waste it, right? Worst case scenario, right? Best case scenario is more taxes mean more love, more justice, more care for more people, right? That's ideal, right? So let's say that we're not ideal. What if there's more taxes and our money is like squandered and we know it's being squandered? I now have a place in the Bible where I can go and I can joyfully accept the plundering of my goods. I can use my tax increase to remind me that I have a better inheritance and an abiding one. I mean, this is where our suffering Jesus wants us to respond in our suffering in a way that reminds us of the goodness of what he has given us. I think it's when we can see it like that that we can respond like Christina responded. She woke up with all of this brokenness and all of this stuff that was wrong and all these things that were outside of her control and she worshiped. She prayed. She brought others to God. And God met her in that place and gave her joy. So this passage, this passage calls us, it stretches us. If you are not happy with the way the election ends up, then I want to invite you to see this. I want you to remember that Jesus is on the throne. And I want you to remember that you have an inheritance that's even better than anything that your side could have produced politically. And no one can take that away. There were real life people alive in the first century who when their goods were plundered, they accepted it joyfully. Man, can we be those people? Can we be those people? I mean, the only way that you can do this is that if you actually trust that Jesus is king. Because if Jesus is king, he has an inheritance waiting for you. He's got a new heaven and a new earth that is in your future. Do you believe it? Do you believe that this is what's coming? Because if it is, then let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abides still. His rule will be forever. I want you to trust this aspect of Jesus' promises. Believe that he was raised from the dead and that he's reigning and understand that he has a future in store for you. And if you're not a Christian, boy, this is one of the greatest reasons to become one. 
Confess your sins to him. Commit your life to him. And this inheritance will be yours. And he will transform your heart. He will forgive your sins. And you'll be able to joyfully accept anything that comes to you in life. The good because he provides the good. And the bad because the bad reminds you of just how good he will make it in the future. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this kind of assurance. We do. We, with the eyes of faith, we remember and we can see that you are seated in the heavens on a throne and that you are ruling and reigning. We have leaders here that sometimes reflect your reign and sometimes they are abominations. And Jesus We commit now, we commit now to seeing your goodness expressed in our lives and thanking you and worshiping you for it. And we pray that you would give us your perspective and your strength to be able to respond to the things that are broken, to respond to the things that are uncertain, to respond to the things that don't work out the way that we want them to, and to accept them with joy because they remind us that something better is coming. Help us, and help us to encourage each other. We pray this in your name, amen.